0: A Mucky Business, with Tim
1: Farron.
0: Well, hello and welcome to a very special episode of A Mucky Business, live from Liverpool, where this week the Labour Party conference is taking place. This week the show will sound a little different. We're recording in front of a live audience, and we'll be hearing from them as the show goes on. Before we do, though, let me introduce today's guest. So Stephen Timms, uh, member of Parliament for East Ham, formerly Newham North East, East, North East. and the exciting fact about well, many exciting facts about Stephen. One, of course, uh, is he's a member or a former member of the of the cabinet, the last uh, Labour cabinet, although perhaps not the last ever Labour cabinet. Things are looking up for you guys at the moment. But I also remember, of course, the uh, uh, that by-election in Newham in 1994 because your Liberal Democrat opponent defected to the Labour Party he the did. day before. He did, and. Uh, uh, a very wise so, man. Well, I mean, so obviously I'm not totally bitter about it, because it <laughs> did massively clarify and simplify our polling day operation. Uh, but congratulations on a uh, on a wonderful inning so far. So Thank
1: you, Jim, and uh, welcome to Labour Party Conference. I'm well, deli-
0: delighted you're here. Absolutely, yeah, it's, not, it's not necessarily a defection, but it, I'm <laughs> nevertheless, given they cancelled our conference this year, I'm delighted to have this as compensation. So, um, Stephen, let's start off um, with you and your journey to faith. In, let's say, 60 seconds or so, can you tell us about how you became a Christian? and how you felt led
1: into politics? Mm. Well, I'm not from a Christian family, not from a church-going family, but I was recruited into a local Crusaders class when I was a a teenager and went along Sunday by Sunday and gradually became persuaded of the truth of the Christian faith at at a camp, I think it happened. Mm. Um, And I went to university. I spent really all of my spare time in the Christian Union, at college, and one summer when I was a student, well before you were a student, uh, somebody decided we should support a mission in the East End of London, in Forest Gate, in part of what's now my constituency. So we had two weeks in London. It was a fantastic two weeks. I'd never been anywhere like the East End of London in my life. Off. I grew up in Hampshire. It was a very strange experience in a way finding out what the East End was like but I loved it and I think in those two weeks I had a for the first time an idea of how what I believed could could shape my life so I moved in when I left university uh, and got a job in London and I I joined the Labour Party I wanted to be involved in the local community I'd always been a Labour supporter and it all went from there. And so being felt led
0: to stand for parliament was something that came a little bit later
1: yes well i, I became a local councillor first of all 10 years on the council i became the leader of the mm. council mm. and then the former mp for the area man called ron layton suddenly had a heart attack and died there was a vacancy i was mm. the leader of the council i was in a very good position to be selected i've often thought if ron had died a couple of years later i probably wouldn't have been in the mm. frame but the timing just Mm. happened in a way that enabled uh, me me to be selected. I've been the MP, as you say, for 28 years now.
0: And so, obviously, lots of things have happened over that time. Uh, I know from my involvement with Christians in Parliament that it's a a cross-party organisation. There are lots of Christians from different um, political backgrounds. How does it feel for you? I don't imagine you and I have got massive differences politically, despite being in different parties. Not huge differences, but there are people in in my Bible study group in Parliament uh, where ranging from people on certainly the le- the left half of the Parliamentary mm. Labour Party, mm. right the way through to Brexiteer, mm. um, Red Wall mm. Conservatives. Mm. Uh, what would it? Let's say somebody in in, in your church uh, who was a committed Christian and decided that they were uh, a really quite you know. To the right end of the Conservative Party and decide to get involved, would would you would you encourage them? Would you counsel them? How is it possible for us to have very different political views while still being mm. believers in Jesus Christ?
1: Well, we have to do that, don't we, I think, Mm -hmm. respect one another for the views that we take. I mean, my experience has been like yours. When I became uh, an MP, a group of half a dozen of us got together actually just after the 1997 election, two Conservative, two Labour, one Lib Dem, Steve Webb, Mm Um, and one democratic unionist and that sort of friendship group and support group was Mm. really important for me Mm. in my early years in parliament and i think probably those are where my best friends were that that Mm. particular group Mm. and uh, the fact that we share faith in jesus has enabled us to be good friends despite the fact we disagree about lots Mm. of political issues and still do
0: Mm. uh a previous guest on our program, Michael Weir, who was Barack Obama's faith advisor, one of these strange, uh, uh, a white evangelical Christian who's in the Democrats. Uh, amazing. Um, but he was is an amazingly astonished by the fact that in the UK Parliament people can have a very similar theological position, be Christians, have quite different political views, and get on. He said that would be impossible in the Senate or in uh, Congress as a a whole. So I think it maybe is worth reflecting on the fact that there's plenty of bad things we could talk about, but actually the way in which Christians are able to work together and to disagree well is something which is a good example.
1: I think it is, and the, the prayer and breakfast mm. each year is, I think, a really interesting example of people coming together and and, and celebrating shared belief from very different perspectives. Mm. And we, we really need to make sure we can carry on doing that. I think that's very important.
0: Yes. Now, uh, often... It is said, it's certainly been said to me, I'm sure it's been said to you, that it's all right you having your Christian faith. That's fine. It's up to you, free country, all that kind of thing. But keep it private. Mm. Don't bring it into the public realm. um, Don't be forcing your God on me, that kind of thing.
1: How do we respond to that? Well, we've just had this afternoon the faith's reception Mm. at the Labour Party conference. We've been doing that reception every year now since 2007 and the reason we do it is to say to people who are coming at politics from a starting point of faith Mm. that we value your faith starting point. We don't want you to leave it at the door when Mm. you get involved with politics. We need the values that you bring because you are a person of faith. Responsibility, solidarity, patience, Mm. compassion truthfulness all of these things which are in short supply in politics that's mm. one of the reasons i think that polit- trust in politics is at such a low ebb at the moment mm. that those values have been weakened and eroded and christians coming and and getting involved are bringing those values mm. with them and we desperately need that if we're going to rebuild trust in com- in, in politics and
0: maybe we could reflect that we have recently, sadly, seen a change uh, in the head of state, as we've uh, lost Her Majesty, um, and maybe slightly less sadly, seen a change in Prime Minister. We might reflect that the the, the choices made by. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II and by Boris Johnson were influenced by the values that they did or didn't have. So mm. uh, people having integrity, having a root to their values, it matters in politics. It does
1: matter. And of course, in the end, Boris Johnson had to go because he kept on saying things which turned out to be untrue. Mm. And that is so, so damaging to people's confidence in democracy. Mm. If politicians behave in that way, we desperately need people who are going to tell the truth and I think the churches are the best place for us to find those people and we need them to step forward and get involved and and pay the price there is Mm. a price to be paid Mm. being involved in this mucky business. Indeed now when we're looking at the the charge that will be
0: put to us that we should leave our faith at the door and not bring it into the into the chamber of the House of Commons of course we don't say the same thing about people who have ideological positions which of course we have too mm. so you may be a person whether uh, you are, are or are not of faith who's a, a believer in free market laissez-faire economics or you might be a Marxist we wouldn't expect those people to leave their worldview at the door before they came in so it's odd to expect people of
1: faith to leave theirs. I think it's very odd and if you look at what happened during the pandemic right across the country from urban constituencies like mine to mm. rural constituencies everywhere Communities and local authorities mm. had to turn to the churches yes. to get the support that was needed, frankly, to keep people alive in some cases and to get mm. them food, to get them in some cases vaccinated to get Mm. them crucial information to provide volunteers to help out in all sorts Mm. of ways it was very remarkable i chair the all-party parliamentary group on faith and society we did some research on this Mm. looking at what was going on right across the country councils turned to churches and faith groups yeah in some ways not expecting to have a great experience i think but Mm. actually finding they did have a great experience and right across the country very very positive experiences of these new partnerships that had to be set mm. up at the time of the pandemic really because there wasn't anyone else yeah you know it, it's what I think that experience showed is a very important lesson about where we can find the resources to change things for the better mm. in Britain in 2022 we definitely don't want those people to leave their faith behind at the no. door we want them in the heart of things with Politicians across the house,
0: and so in your experience as a constituency MP, but also with uh, with your position on on a, uh, on a national front as well, you would say, would you that during the pandemic, churches stepped up, or the Christian groups, or the faith groups stepped up and provided uh, and met the real needs of people in ways that surprised? Local authorities who were perhaps a bit sniffy uh, about uh, faith groups and Christians in particular. I think that's absolutely right.
1: So my local authority, which I was once the leader of, we Mm. never really worked Mm. with churches or uh, faith groups. Uh, On Good Friday 2020, there were two emails. I was sitting at home looking through emails. Two of them said... I haven't got enough food, what should mm. I do? I didn't know how to answer them. A bit further back in my inbox, there was one from the directly elected mayor of Newham, Roxana mm. Fiaz, who said, if you come across people who haven't got food over the Easter bank holiday, send an email to the vicar of Ascension Church, someone I didn't know, before six, before 10 a.m. in the morning and he'll get a food parcel to them by 6 p.m. Suddenly there was this really, really close mm. collaboration going on because the council didn't have any choice but to depend on those people, and the church is delivered, and I, I hope the lessons from that are going to be learned for the future.
0: Yeah, me too. So, uh, thinking about I mean, the title of our of our podcast and the hypothesis that lots of Christians are a bit uh, standoffish about politics because they just think it's a bit sleazy, a bit dirty, too much compromise, something that you know we shouldn't be polluting ourselves with. What what advice,
1: what counsel would you give to Christians who perhaps um, think like that? my advice would be go for it and I you know I think people uh, Christians are worried about the prospect of getting involved I think partly because they think as soon as they get involved few weeks in there'll be some great dilemma where faith will say do one thing the party whips will say do the opposite and everything mm. collapses in a in a heap and you know I would say, in my 28 years in Parliament and 10 years as a local councillor before that, that those situations hardly ever arise. They can arise, it's possible, and we we can probably both think of of, of one or two examples. But, you know, we can see that politics isn't working very well at the moment. If the Christians aren't there, Mm. whose fault is it that it's Mm. not working? And we know that the reason, a big part of the reason for confidence in our democracy is the contributions that Christians have made in the past. Mm. We need those contributions desperately in our time as well. You're listening to A Mucky Business with me, Tim Farron. We're joined by
0: a live audience, a growing live audience here in, in Liverpool. and just going to you know, put you on notice. I'm going to bring you guys in and I expect you to ask a question or two shortly. But I'm joined by my guest, the MP for East Ham, Sir Stephen Timms. Um, Stephen, going further into the issue about why it is that Christians should care about politics, for many people out there, joining a political party, putting a rosette on, standing for parliament or for the council is a million miles away from where they currently are. What would we say to those people for whom uh, maybe a journey into active politics isn't what we're talking about, but they should simply care about it, understand mm. more about politics, mm. uh, pray about it in an informed way? How would you get somebody who is literally turns the news off every time mm. uh, to a point where, from a Christian point of view, they take it seriously, understand it matters?
1: I, I think the answer is the point you made earlier, that Christians should care because Jesus cares. Mm as the New Testament makes uh, extremely clear. And the really encouraging thing, I think, is the way that churches are stepping up now to meet all kinds of community Mm. needs in a way that probably wasn't the case 10 or 20 years ago. But today is happening on a really impressive and important scale mm. making a big big difference christians are doing that because they they, they want to be faithful to jesus mm. and serving him serving their community and having got involved in that way then i think the need to get involved in politics for some people at any rate is, mm. is clear as well mm. now earlier
0: on um i'll bring in a question in a moment but earlier on you talked about the whip and so is there a moral uh, imperative behind it. is a mor- is there a moral justification would you say um for the whip in parliamentary parties in the house of commons or,
1: or not i th- i think there is because in order to change things we need to be working with others it, mm. it, it's not me as an individual standing up and saying true things in parliament it's me working with others who've got similar aims in order to bring about change and once you're in a team, there has to be some discipline in the team, mm. a, a common purpose, and that's what the whips are enabling to provide. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it goes with goes with the territory. If you're serious about changing how things work, mm. Stephen, we
0: have uh, somebody normal in the audience, not me. Tell us who you are and where you come from. Um, Augustine from Manchester. Um, question: You, John Wesley, um, when he. W- f- Kind of felt this stirring. He says his heart was strong, was strangely warmed, mm. and he kind of continues that kind of um, throughout his ministry. So obviously, I know that's about salvation, but mm. through being a Christian and a being an MP, has there been times where God really warmed your heart that you're quite surprised, um, kind of surprised by grace, that mm. in, in areas that you never thought that God would surprise you in. Or your heart was warmed in. Stephen, do you want to try
1: that? can I just make the point first that what happened with John Wesley, the Methodist movement, that is what led to the the Labour Party. Because, you know, people started to believe, they started to meet in their local communities, have their hearts warmed as Wesley himself did, organized, started to build chapels to, to meet in. And that kind of organisation, which was completely new for working people at the time, led on to the the, the Labour movement and, and to uh, the Labour Party. Um, I can certainly think of, of times when I've been extremely grateful for f- things that have happened, circumstances that have mm. ar- arisen that I hadn't kind of expected. Um, and for me, it was... The work of god that we were in, involved in um i don't know about strangely warmed i i, I, I think that is a kind of conversion experience but mm. you know the sense of god being present that is something we we experience well, in and politics. i think i mean
0: obviously not the first time i've spoken to Stephen about his background um and i i was thinking in many ways for a, a christian in politics your Stephen is a is a the great model, that you come to faith and then you feel led into politics. That's not how it was for me. I got involved in politics, then I became a Christian. So I think my journey is a little bit more, well, uh, bumpy, irregular, I don't know. But I do know, over the years, has certainly occurred to me that the, the fundamental calling for a Christian in politics is to serve to serve people mm. and to try to do battle with the, I mean, the, the, you know, there's all these lurid you know, sins and temptations we think politics, politicians get into. I'm not saying they don't happen, but I think vanity is the biggest. Somebody once said, no offence to anybody here, that politics is showbiz for ugly people. Um, and the idea that we're, we all want to be famous and have our visog on the box and all the rest of it, and we've no discernible talent, so we end up doing this. But in all seriousness, if we can, un, in, a, in a place where you are tempted to be, me, 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 to be in a position where you can serve others, that's vitally important. I also think, particularly if you've got to a venerable state, maybe we're, maybe we're both venerable now. I maybe think we, maybe are. we are Yeah, too. not past yeah. ourselves that it, but yeah. venerable. Yeah. Uh, I'm not knighted, mind you. Um, uh, but you nevertheless, you find yourself in a position where you have a profile and it's an opportunity to speak the gospel to people who might not hear it otherwise. And so whenever I get that opportunity and use it, I feel... You know, to be used by God in any circumstance, what a massive privilege. Anybody else? Yes, Jude.
1: <laughs> great, so yeah, Jude, uh, Reverend Jude Padfield, Vicky here at St. James, great to have you uh, with us uh, this evening. But I, my question would be, um, I mean, rewind the clock, 15 years or so, um, I remember the Labour government using the language of, well, you know, we don't, we don't do God in politics. Mm. Felt like a bit of a sort of significant... Phrase and I just wondered: Do you think it's changing? Uh, is the landscape changing? Are people able to speak to connect their faith with their political, you know, thoughts and, and activity, you know, more adequately today? Do you think the, the landscape's changed? Stephen. I, I think it is changing. I mean, I don't think it's always straightforward to do it. And of course, Alastair Campbell said that. I, I've since heard him say that he thinks it's probably the most famous thing he ever said, actually. <laughs> um, and of course, Tony Blair, his boss, did do faith in politics. He always came to the conference service that you mm. hosted for us uh, on Sunday morning uh, this week. So I don't think it's completely straightforward, but I think there are more and more people doing it, and we desperately need more still. Mm. Uh, And I hope people will step forward and and, and get involved, roll their sleeves up.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think things are changing as well. In the end, from my perspective, we have to be bold and upfront. We also have to recognise that people, we're in a relatively unchurched age, and so people will feel fearful of the gospel and of uh, Christians um, in, in general, and we've to be gentle with people. But not to you know uh, divert from uh, from being faithful at the same time. and uh, and I you know I certainly take the view that here we are in a country. we've got to be very careful that we don't complain too much about you know Christians in the West and in this mm-hmm. country being persecuted. We just aren't comparatively. Mm-hmm. that it's a bit awkward sometimes that we can be treated with disdain at sometimes, even discriminated against a little bit at sometimes. That's, that's part of the deal. In this world, you should have trouble. Um, so, you know, if we're not facing a bit of grief and opposition, we're probably doing something wrong, and we certainly are not facing anything like the opposition that brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are.
1: Can I just read something, mm. uh, Tim, that, that that Tom Wright wrote in one of his books? He mm. said, people who believe in the resurrection, in God making a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last, are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. Mm. And I think that's what we're seeing in the mm. churches at the moment. And that's what we need in our politics mm. as well. Exactly that unstoppable motivation to change yeah. things, to work for a new world. Absolutely. Yes. Question in the back there tell us who you are again
0: <laughs> sure thank you um, my name's Matthew I'm from Liverpool Hope University and from the William Temple Foundation um, I worked on the research that Stephen referred to earlier um, and I was inspired by the response of people during the pandemic mm. um, it was a fantastic response in a crisis how can it be sustained over the next say 10 years or so mm. we're talking about faith in public life and the role that it can play mm. how do we make sure it happens
1: we're not short of crises, sadly, no. um, that Stephen. Well, I've, I've, that's exactly the point that I was going to make. As you say, that was in the pandemic crisis, but we've now got another crisis, um, and it looks as though crises are going to be with us for mm. some time. I, I mean, what was really interesting in that research, and thank you for the contribution you made to it, was the very positive experience of the local councils of working with faith groups and for many of them it was a completely new experience and they discovered that these groups were conscientious that they were professional that word came out a lot in the research which they really hadn't expected in in many cases and the kind of worries that oh these people are only trying to convert people I mean, that, that just didn't come out at all in the research. That wasn't their experience of working with, with churches. So I'm hoping that the councils will learn the lessons from that about where the resources can be found to change things for the better in our communities. And there are going to be plenty of things that we need to change in the next 5, 10, 15 years. We need the churches, we need the first faith groups to be contributing and not to be locked out, as has too often been the case in the past.
0: I also wonder from my perspective whether this is a moment where we might get over the problem of the last hundred years or so where some parts of the church think that all that matters is conversion, um, that people are saved, which is ultimately important, of course, and some people think social action is the only thing that matters and we shouldn't be bothering with that other stuff. I think they're probably both wrong, and the opportunity for to care about both people's eternal destiny, uh, principally, but also that if you believe every human being is made in the image of God, is of ultimate dignity, you're going to love them now. And as you were, Sir when you suggesting uh, Stephen um, uh, uh, just a moment ago with Tom Wright's quote, that if you, if we believe that. Fraternity. Why we're we not going to practice it now? Mm. Um, surely we should. So we have got one last question for Stephen before he heads off. We'll go there, and you can make your point afterwards. when uh, Stephen's headed off. Yes. So I'm um, Titus from London originally, but I live in Liverpool now, um, and I'm sort of a relatively young person. Sort of at the moment, I'm in an R ring or thinking about how a career in politics mm. might look for me. And my question is, kind of, as um, your political careers have uh, developed, and particularly your pursuit of power and influence within politics, um, you touched on it earlier. But have you found it hard to balance your personal integrity um, and your faith um,
1: throughout the journey? Well, it's a question
0: about power, influence, and career. So we're going to pass to the Labour politician.
1: Well, uh, I've never been a a party leader. Uh, I think the the position that that Tim held for for a long time was a very demanding and very challenging one, and I think he did a great job and was a a great witness as he did it. Um, I... I mean, there are there are challenges, but there are there are challenges in being a Christian in any sort of secular job, unless we're all going to head off to monasteries or something. We've we've all mm. got to grapple with these things. The the difference, perhaps, about being in politics is it's a, it's a very public mm. thing, and when you're there. You're available to be criticized and and, and given a hard time. So, you know, one needs to be uh, aware of, of that. But the opportunity to change things for the better is there. And it's a very rewarding opportunity to take. And, you know, my advice would be go for it.
0: Great advice. So we're not ending the program here, but we are letting Stephen go off to other things. Um, Stephen, what a blessing to have you with us. Thank,
1: Thank you, you for having me, Tim. You are always a, a great job, a great witness,
0: a great servant to your community, and, uh, and we look forward to hearing from you again in the the near Please future. Please invite me back. Well, we we will in that case. It's even on air. So a round of applause for Stephen. Thanks for coming. And. Um, Well, that just about brings an end to our special live show from here in Liverpool. Our thanks to St James in the City for hosting us, as well as Christians on the Left for their support. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes by searching for a mucky business on your chosen podcast provider.